everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am the board game guru and game master extraordinaire, Jahananan. I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. I'm casualty CDG, but you can call me Gary. And I'm known as the uh, professional media and movie mastermind, the Funhouse, Drew Munhausen. And uh, I, I have to say, I'm... I'm a fan of this time of year in general. Like we're we're Houston based, right? So, you know, the temperature is starting to cool, maybe like a smidge. And so, I've gone on like this morning. I went on a walk outside with my daughter, and there's football on TV and things like that. And like, are y'all a fan of the fall of this time of year, or is that just me? No, uh, this is I. I prefer this time and like. I'm a big Christmas guy, so I really like the holidays. Uh, and that's right around the corner. I'm pretty excited. Uh, Halloween's coming up. Uh, I love me some eats on Thanksgiving. I'm pretty excited. This is when I start to get, like, happy. So Yes, yeah, so uh, I actually I have a friend in Sweden, and I always ask him how they survive the winters. And he says, you just stay inside the whole time. And he's like, how do you guys survive the summer? And I'm like, oh, you just stay inside the whole time. Like, you either drink a lot of water or you go to a pool or you stay inside. Like, if you have to mow the lawn, you do that in as early as you can or as late as you can before the sun sets. And then you go inside and drink lots of cold beverages. And so, yes, to answer your question, I'm excited that the hibernation of summer is coming to an end. Uh, there's already leaves all over my backyard like it like it's already fall back there it, it's i know it's not fall seasonally yet but the leaves are on the ground bro like over this whole weekend uh i'm looking forward to it i like having my window open and it's too hot when it's 98 degrees outside to open my window yeah it's funny you talk about doing yard work because that's um i have found that even if i get up at like 7.30 to do yard work, it's already hot outside. So I, I have actually recently taken to doing it in the evenings. I find that's like, I can get started at 6.30 or so and be done right as it gets dark. And it's usually, it's, 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 I can, t it's tolerable. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Let me warn you now, don't get tricked by this daylight savings time. It's, it's going to get dark on you an hour or sooner. It's going to get dark quick, so... That's what that's like in November, right? Is that yeah? The weather the weather will be much better by then, sure. But uh, just don't get fooled. Um, well, that was a nice a nice little chat. <laughs> I did I did want to talk. So we've got a couple of topics for discussion tonight. Um, today I should say because you may not be listening to this at night, silly, silly me. Um, this this past week, Norm Macdonald passed away. And, and, you know, these days, it, there's there's celebrity deaths happening seemingly all the time, of course, um, such is life. But Norm MacDonald in particular, I feel like the last week, I've seen so many different clips circulating. Like, I, this, like he must have resonated with a lot of people just between all the SNL clips or his different talk shows or, you know, radio, YouTube shows, those kinds of things. I, I've just seen so many more clips circulated the normal so i wanted to to see with y'all you know did y'all have any um norm mcdonald memories or is he somebody that resonated with y'all from you know majority from a comedy standpoint let's say 
I'm just uh, curious for your thoughts. I mean, so Norm Macdonald, uh, I, I was talking about this with Jenny the other day. Uh, he, he just really, I have that same sense of humor. I like, my humor is when it, like, hurts to hear it. Like, it, it takes, it's painful. Like, you know, like, not because it's mean, but because it's, like, drawn out, because it's, like, grown-worthy. I, like, that's, that's, it sustains me. Um, I, I do it for the groans, and I feel like he truly uh, got that. I probably got that from him, because I grew up uh, with me and my friend uh, watching Dirty Work on VHS over and over and over. And, like, I don't know. I, I love his talk show clips. I love it when he's being himself. Uh, and, like, he was really a comics comic. You know, like, if you look when there are comics around, they're laughing way harder than anyone else. And, like, because cause he's, just, he's just so damn funny. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm 100% on board. I love Norm MacDonald. <clears throat> I loved his bit in the roasts, uh, in the roast he was in. It was absolutely fucking legendary. He's legendary. Uh, he's not going to be forgotten in like a year or two as a has-been comic. He's he's legendary. And and his, his style, I think, will stand the test of time. Uh, he was in Mike Tyson Mysteries, and he voiced Pigeon which is a talking pigeon who is a cigar smoking, alcoholic, drug binging, womanizing pink, uh, pigeon. Uh, and he's just <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Just, and it's like a Scooby-Doo knockoff with a shitty drunk pigeon. Yeah. He, he's one of those comics who would deliver a joke that would be pretty dry but funny, but then he would just give that follow-up look after, just that slow look that would get you every time. He he does have a great voice. So speaking of the role you're talking about, Gary, like it, I could I have not seen that show, but just knowing his voice and his delivery, I could I can only imagine that in in animation form that he his humor would would carry over, you know. Yes, and he's extra, you know, since he's a, a womanizing pigeon, he's extra hateable. And, <laughs> and Norm MacDonald is pretty hateable anyways, uh, which I think is, you know, a gift uh, for him. And, and uh, oh, there was something else he was in that was just... Uh, um, SNL, when he was on Weekend Update, you know, he's just one of the legendary Weekend yes. Update guys. And even though that was the end of his SNL career because of his Weekend Update... Uh, I guess let's call it language slip. His live language slips on air. Uh, <laughs> that was the end of his career with SNL. But still, I, he he was he's legendary. He'll always be remembered as on Weekend Update. He, he's one of the greats. I uh, you know Jahan mentioned Dirty Work, which I actually came to Dirty Work pretty late. It's one of those movies that when I you know growing up and you'd go to Hollywood Video or something like I'd always see Dirty Work there. But I had just never watched it. And I, I only watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, my The one that I grew up with, which he's not the lead in, but I, as a kid, watched Billy Madison so <laughs> many times. Like, you know, everybody as a kid has that movie they just watched 40 or 50 times. Like, you would just, it was comfort food, you'd turn it on. So mine was that, Tommy Boy. There you go. And mm -hmm. so mine was Billy Madison. And I was way too young to be watching it or to at least get most of the humor. Like there are jokes 
that I would repeat back then, but I didn't even understand or they went over my head. And that, and you know, obviously Norm Macdonald has a smaller part in that, but still effective. He's still funny in it. And so seeing um, Dirty Work recently, I just rewatched it actually this weekend. I just rewatched it yesterday. I've been Started to. it yesterday. And uh, I, yeah, I wanted to throw it on after hearing the news and that that i don't know if i'd say that dirty works a good movie (laughs) but some of the humor in it and some of his deliveries like he is not a good actor but his humor works as the lead in a movie just because of his style so i'm not sure (laughs) that he is a good actor right i'm not i don't know if anyone i'm not sure if he would i don't think anyone would make that argument no he i think he would he would absolutely argue against being a good actor himself yeah he's a a a fucking great comic and i guess apparently I, i saw that he wrote for roseanne which is not a huge show for me personally but that show was was huge and of course that deadpan style and a lot of those those straight jokes it kind of makes sense that that's coming from him uh her delivering his stuff uh i I can kind of see that i mean rose roseanne was yeah roseanne was huge whether or not you watched it uh that show was so uh important culturally i believe they uh roseanne had the first uh uh woman-on-woman kiss on tv uh so that was you know big deal and if he had been writing on it or at the time of dirty work or before or after i don't know what the timeline is there but i do know john goodman makes a cameo appearance in dirty work so that and that's <laughs> funny knowing that now because i didn't know that don't get me started on john goodman i i love john goodman oh that oh man i hope he lives forever because that's going to be a tragedy <laughs> Anything from Fred Flintstone to the the Righteous Gemstones. Uh, it, anything where he has the stone as the last name, I guess. I'm on board. <laughs> That's a funny connection. <laughs> I would not have pulled that one, the, the stone connection. Well, I think, is there anything else y'all have to add about Norm MacDonald? I, I think Norm MacDonald is, I, th- I think he's fresh out the box. I think is one hundred percent fresh out the box. He's oh, yeah. definitely fresh out the box. No, we yeah, we, he gets the seal of approval. Uh, rest in peace, buddy. I mean, that's uh, it's really sad. Uh, and I don't want to bring everyone down listening to the podcast, but yeah, no, that's a that's a rough one, man. He was a uh, funny, funny yeah. guy. Uh, that's why I like to talk about the funny things, you know, yeah. that we remember about him because I think that's definitely a more fun way to to remember, to remember and, 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 and well, also. We we actually had a had a caller write in and ask a question. Uh, this caller is from Gallant Night Games, and, and the caller asks, "What if I've never seen a Norm Macdonald movie? Which one should I watch?" It's a good question. I guess everyone should pick one. I, dirty Work. I, yeah, I'm gonna, right. Is I would also go Dirty Work. So yeah, even though Dirty Work isn't very good. I think we're all going to have a, See, a unanimous like, agreement that it's it's Norm Macdonald's shines in it. As you say it, Is that really I mean, the only... Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, no, you're good. Just, uh, isn't that the only Norm Macdonald starring vehicle, Dirty Work? Is there another one that I'm not thinking of? I, I feel like that's his, like, <laughs> his big one. Uh, I mean, also, you get, you get the double duty of uh, dead hilarity with Chris Farley. Uh... Yes. 
Yes, uh, he is oh. in that movie. I will not say anything about his character because <laughs> the first time I saw it and his uh, look or reveal in that, it, oh it's, my, it's something. Is, now, is Vince Vaughn the other lead in that movie? No, no, it's um, what's his oh, name? Oh, why his name's escaping me? He's the guy that his nose is all messed up now. Um, <laughs> Owen Wilson. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> He had a lot of issues with drugs and sobriety, and because of so much cocaine, his nose is all flat now. That's Dan just... Aykroyd. No. <laughs> uh, I just can't think of his name. What's his name? His name's uh, Artie Lang. That's it, Artie uh, Lang. Thank you. No, no problem. Man, yeah, this, don't this movie has a what lot Artie of... Lang looks like now. Just don't. Just save yourself. Don't look at his... Hopefully, he's doing all right. Hopefully, he's getting his act together. But, man, he's... He's seen better days. Jesus. It looks like if you're funny and dead, you're in this movie. Like, <laughs> holy crap. Norm MacDonald, Chris Farley, Don Rickles, uh, Gary Coleman. Like, <laughs> the wow. fuck? Uh, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, go watch this movie. It's a catch-all. Yeah, yeah. I, that's for sure, The I think, the essential Norm MacDonald viewing. So, anyway, that's remembering Norm MacDonald and then... Um, there's probably no no good way to segue from a <laughs> from a celebrity death to a um, tabletop gaming convention. But Jahan, talk about uh, Gen Con a little bit. Hey, what's do you like board there. games? And are you alive? Uh, Gen Con <laughs> is is free. <laughs> uh, Drew, uh, making Drew put his head in his hands is just. You know, moi. That's that's. I live for that shit. Uh, yeah, Gen Con is the the big one. It's the biggest gaming convention uh, for tabletop games in the United States. Uh, I don't know if I'd say world. I don't actually know. It might be. It's huge. It's a big deal. Uh, conventions have had a lot of trouble lately because of COVID. Gen Con might not be uh, an exception to this. I've heard some things about, you know, people being worried. But, hey, I'm here for the fun part where they announced way too many board games. Uh, I do not have this much money. Why are you doing this to me? Uh, it's Gen Con is I've never been. I've been to a couple. I've been to many conventions, mostly. Is Pax it held South. in the same place every year? Is it always think, the same? I think it's always Indiana. Uh, conventions like this usually stick to a area. Don't, I don't know what the, the marketing behind that is, but I guess like they like it. So, uh, Gen Con is usually in India. Yeah. See, always an indie. Uh, I've been to PAX Unplugged. That was fun. Uh, that was the only like bo pure board game convention I've been to. Uh, I've always wanted to go to Gen Con. Uh, cause this is where every board game creator every ttrpg company they are here almost always uh this year for covid reasons uh some people did bow out uh, i do have a quote here from r talsorian uh, about why they pulled out of gen con uh we write about dark futures uh for fun but we also believe we have a responsibility to try and prevent them from happening uh you know there is a lot a big crowd I think they have a mask mandate, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but still, damn. It's it's worrying. Uh, I just wanted to touch on that bit of news. But in lighter side of the news, uh, some of the games I'm interested in, 
I'm just going to start naming a couple of them here. Uh, King... not, I was going to say, I was going to say, regardless of whether you think the convention should or should not have happened, what are you most excited about <laughs> that has come out of it so far? Uh, so far, oh man, there are so many games that like were not on my radar that I'm just now hearing about. Uh, King Domino Origins. Uh, so it's like. Uh, if you've ever played the original King Domino, which is a classic award-winning game, uh, good for kids, Drew. If you ever want to, I'm going to help get your child into board games, by the way. Uh, King Domino Origins uh, is, it adds like cavemen, volcanoes, uh, and it's like a primitive sort of version with some meeples added. Uh, there's a game called Stuff of Legends, which is a, like a, a kind of a, it looks like a dark, quirky teddy bear RPG uh, board game, which is very interesting. Uh, Gary, this should be funny for you. The Rocketeer board game. Why does this keep happening? Bro, we the mentioned The Rocketeer a lot recently. We mentioned The Rocketeer on our fucking stream. <laughs> like, now we see it everywhere. Uh, but I think there's actually a written rule where when you, like, hear something for the first time in a long time or whatever, it just pops up everywhere. Yeah, well, but it's, also, it's, it's they're remaking because... it. Yeah, they're coming up with a Disney Plus they either remake or series or some something of the sort. It's it's they're they're bringing it back. It is. It looks like it's a new a new movie that they're making on Disney Plus. Yes, it, it, I, I I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Uh, this game uh, was one we saw some TikTokers doing doing this uh, recently. A lot of people I know from TikTok are at Gen Con. Uh, Merchants of the Dark Road, uh, which looks to be uh, a, a a trading game where you travel around. You all have your own like st uh, stagecoach kind of shop. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. Uh, man, there's just so, literally hundreds, I think, at this point. Uh, here's another one that I'm excited for. Dinosaur World. Uh, this looks to be the successor to Dinosaur Island from Pandasaurus Games. Uh, Dinosaur World, obviously a play on the Jurassic World series. Uh, hopefully it's bigger, better, and uh, maybe Any easier. relation to the old TV series, Dinosaurs? <laughs> Dinosaurs with the, the giant mannequin, the puppets or whatever? Yes. I'm yes. the baby. I would love that's, that. That's the one. I just was really. I was just fishing to try to get an "I'm the baby" out of you. So not you, the you mama. Right into my trap. Thank you, bro. When I was little, I did that all the time. Like, I was that baby. Not the mama. Not the mama. Uh, much to my dad's chagrin. Uh, Origins First Builders uh, seems to be a civilization building game. Uh, there's a lot of those happening lately, and I couldn't be more thrilled. I love civ building games. I know Gary does too. Um, just so much good news coming out of this. Like, I, I'm worried for my financial stability in the future. Uh, there's a game, uh, Now or Never, which seems to be in the same vein of the game, uh, uh, Near and Far and Above and Below. Uh, they have very beautiful artwork, same company, uh, and this is a game where three friends compete to rebuild your ancestral village uh, and guide the rest of the villagers on their journey home. Uh, looks very fun. Beautiful artwork. A lot of these games have that. It's become kind of, you know, mandatory. Um, is 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 the setup for Gen Con at all, like, comparable to an E3 or something where there's all these game 
you know, board game or yes, it is exactly E3. Have like, is there a Wizards of the Coast press conference where they're like, yes. "Here's all of our new stuff that's coming out in the next, you know, six months to a year, or, or you know, something of that sort." Yeah, I remember. So I went to my first convention ever with Gary, and I, you know, I was new to it. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, we went to PAX. Yeah, they have uh, all these theaters. They have the schedule. You go check out uh, Wizards of the Coast. Talk about their future. You can go to. Uh, game creator workshops with the creators of various TTRPGs of board games, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, some of them, they have, like, fun stuff where you'll, like, as an audience, craft a game together. Um, that kind of, like, they have all kinds of stuff. And, yes, they do have big press releases uh, from is, companies is such Gen as Con, Wizard. Is Gen Con the big one, though? Like, if, if they're going to have their biggest announcement of the year, are they saving that for, uh, for Gen Con? Or is they that for maybe I, packs, when I think packs. there actually is a WizCon. I think there is a WizCon. Does uh, their stuff. And there's also not. Dragon Con, which is also very big, and that's more TTRPG focused. Uh, and so there, there are so many conventions. I am a huge PAX fanboy. I love PAX South, I love the Penny Arcade guys. Uh, and it was always in San Antonio, so it was easy to get to. Um, I think I've been to every single PAX South. And, yeah. yeah so well, PAX South didn't have the same, uh, what's the word I'm like, I guess level of prestige as maybe PAX East or West. No, but definitely I think not. it's cool that they were making that happen. I, I've always wanted to go to one just to see what it was like, but I have not been able to. Yeah, the Texas board game and tabletop game fandom is rising, but I just I think it, the the packs came here maybe six years too early. Um, and if they would keep coming, time. yeah, I think if they would keep sticking around, they would keep making more and more money and putting more and more of a dent in this market. And you yeah. know, COVID happened at an awful time. Uh, it needed packs needed to happen for like two, three, four more years in a row, and uh, this didn't need to happen. No, we we still need a convention down here. It's a big state, and there's a lot of gamers. Yeah, we were there last time the for the last PAX South that they've had. Uh, hopefully, not the last one ever, but it might be. There was a lot of rumors going around. Uh, I hope they're not true. I love PAX South. Um, I'll just have to go to Philadelphia again for PAX Unplugged, I guess. Uh, <laughs> if we're talking about Gen Con, we got to briefly talk about the Any Awards, which maybe most of our listeners don't know what it is, but Jahan and I, uh, I guess we take it for granted. Uh, it's E-N-N-I-E for the listeners at home, the Any Awards. And so these happen at Gen Con, the Any Awards, and they're focused on tabletop role-playing games and the things that the writers have, or not just the writers, but it's, it's everybody involved in the process. And so you don't just get, you know, best game, but there are, I've got the list pulled up. I'm not going to read every winner, but the categories are the judges spotlight winners, best adventure, best aids, digital, best aid and accessory, non-digital, best art cover, best art interior, best cartography, best electronic book, best family game, best free game, best game, best layout and design, best monster, best online content, best organized play, best podcasts, which we're not on, by the way. We're not on the best podcast. Ooh, we could we be, We will though. change that in the future. We would like to change that in the future. Hey, so write your like, congressperson about getting us in the Ennies. Uh, best production values, best RPG-related product, best rule, best setting, best supplement, best writing, and finally, product of the year. 
And so while we were going through these, Jahan sent these to me and I was sitting on the couch reading through and was like, oh, this is fucking cool. And I'm going through it. And finally I get down to the very bottom product of the year. And friend of the show, Spencer over at Gila RPGs, he's on there for Slayers, which is dope. He's been here twice and we played games with him and we've never played Slayers. So now, now we need to make Spencer come back so we can play his uh, product of the year award from the Innies. And so I, I want to just give him a shout out and say hello and congratulations and great job. And if anybody's interested in tabletop games, look up the Any Awards. And, you know, if you want to plan on getting a new game in the future, you know, looking at these up and coming writers, uh, that, that's that's kind of it's a good place to start. It's cool. Uh, yeah. Not the only friend of the show to win something here. Uh, gold winner for best aid slash accessory city of Miss character folio pack from Son of Oak Games creator Amit Moshe. Uh, hey. So, yeah, we've actually uh, met a few of these people, uh, free league publishing did a bunch of runs. Uh, they gave us a bunch of stuff. They're winning all kinds of awards for alien RPG. Uh, they won one for best art in Vassin, the Nordic horror role-playing game, which I mean, it, it, it's pretty crazy. Uh, the, the people we're getting to know, uh, in these circles. It's weird to recognize people on award lists from people you've hang, you've hung out with. Uh, but it is cool. Yeah, a couple, really cool. A couple more uh, mentions from... These are just games to go check out on your own time. Uh, if you're a board gamer, I hope everyone is. Uh, Dungeon Scrawlers, which I believe is actually Wizards of the Coast uh, dungeon game in where you have a dungeon map uh, and you draw on it to use your powers uh, that your character has, which sounds really interesting. Uh, it reminds me of Cartographer's which is a huge game. Uh, the Hunger, which is a vampire game that I didn't see coming. And finally, uh, Cosmic Frogs, which I do believe you're <laughs> space frogs. Uh, in the same vein of Battletoads, it looks like, uh, that go around the board competing to loot stuff. Uh, but, man, that's just that barely scratches the surface. I have barely touched on what's going on. Uh, very excited it's an exciting time for board games. Uh, we're going to have to, at some point, do a um, gift-giving guide <laughs> for the coming holiday season uh, to let people know what they should be buying their loved ones. Just my opinion. I, th I think that's a great idea, especially with so much stuff. I think you could put together a hell of a list. And, well, uh, you know, is... Drew could probably do a list of movies you should buy for your loved ones these holidays. For sure, for sure. And, I, you know, I like hearing about Gen Con and these different awards and things like that because, you know, hopefully y'all are educating me on some of these board game things. So hopefully you're educating people in the audience. I'm sure there are people that, you know, follow Fresh Out the Box because of tabletop and board game news. But I, I think there are people that listen who... um you know, maybe don't as much. So I appreciate y'all letting me know because it's just I, I still continue to be blown away by the community and these conventions and these things. I'm just great community at times. So so we've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people and I'm sure Jahan can speak to it, too. People who turn to the hobby to, you know, in lieu of addiction, uh, people who were, you know, alcoholics who turned to board gaming as a hobby or they turned to tabletop role playing as a hobby and. Uh, you know, it's it's never too late to get into the hobby. We're here to explain the award shows and who and what to play. 
and we want people to come to the hobby new or young or old whatever age there's there are games for adults there are games for kids and families and co-op games and versus games and uh you know we're we want to get everybody involved and i i would say that uh, tabletop role-playing games have been successfully used as uh, mental health tools that they've been used for people with PTSD and depression and anxiety because it helps you kind of get out of your comfort zone in a safe space at a table. So come on, come all. Everybody's welcome to join tabletop community and board game community. Everyone's super supportive community. here. It's, it's awesome, man. So uh, we're always happy to tell people about what's going on. Yeah, Drew, I worry about you getting too interested in board games because I know <laughs> how you collect things. Uh, I like. I know yeah. you like to collect stuff. Board games is uh, it'll, it'll kill your wallet, man. It's exciting, and I, I, I look forward to addicting you. I like <laughs> things on shelves, uh-huh. shelf porn, if you will, like a cool looking. Oh, don't look up shelf porn. Shelves with 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 board games or comics or things on it full it just you know i find that stuff to be appealing yes uh board game shel- shelfies as we call them in the biz uh are very gratifying uh I'll, I'll i'll show you mine sometime it's very full uh but yeah i'm very excited for a lot of the board games i have coming uh that i bought before i became broke and unemployed on kickstarter but <laughs> <laughs> It's like a coming Christmas gift I bought myself. That's the yeah, that's the good thing about Kickstarter, right? Is it's already paid for, and so then one day you'll just get a gift at your door. Yeah, you get them when you're broke. It's fun. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> Drew, we, we, one of these days we're gonna, we're going to get you into the, the board games. Uh, and a lot of the ones I listed are very entry level, uh, especially like King Domino. That's a great one to get started uh, for your hobby with your family. Uh, very accessible. Perfect. Well, do y'all want to move on to some things that may or may not be fresh out the box? Yeah, yeah I would love to just. Week? Yeah, we can. Uh, those are our. Are those are fresh takes. Fresh takes. <laughs> are these? Yeah. How tasty will, are your uh, fresh takes? I will. I will kick this off because I've been wanting to talk about this for the past week. So last week on Friday. Um, a movie came out that is in theaters and on HBO Max, same day, called Malignant. And I sat down and I watched Malignant out of curiosity because... So here's the thing with Malignant, right? It's directed by James Wan. Let's, let's get that out the way. James Wan has created some of the most popular horror... For, newer more recent horror franchises the first saw movie um insidious the conjuring these are all you know directed by j directed created by james wan um of course his success in the horror genre netted him he did um furious seven he directed he did aquaman so he has dipped his toe into some of these big franchises but um, before filming Aquaman 2, which he's currently in the midst of, of filming, he cranked out this little horror movie called Malignant. And boy, did I like Malignant a lot. It is just, you have to go into it knowing you're not, you're not getting um, the conjuring here or, you know, one of these horror franchises that takes itself more seriously. Um, 
this is like B movie horror level stuff, you know, just ultra camp at times. Um, I thought it was so much fun. It's the type of horror movie that there are parts that are that are scary, but then by the end of it, it had me just jaw dropped laughing. I was just in disbelief at how <laughs> out of this world crazy the movie, the directions that it decides to go into. I could absolutely see somebody watching it and going, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Zero stars. I, though, I, I was all in. I, I was in on this movie. <laughs> I enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, Gary, I know you don't do the... I don't. I know you don't do the scaries too much, and so I. So would I you say I'm not this is say like, you need... Is it like Army of Darkness scary? Like, or is it actually? Does this one actually a little scary? So, so I guess here's the premise, right? It's a um, a woman who there there are murders taking place by some sort of man thing creature and this woman has some sort of connection where she is able to see the murders take place like from wherever she is it's um i think in the trailer it actually shows part of it like the room morphs around her and all of a sudden she's in the location where there's this murder is taking place and so it becomes you know why is this the case um and it goes places. That's that's. But the basic premise is this woman sees sees murders murders taking place in this town and starts working with the police on it. And uh, yeah, yeah. So that's that's all I'll say. There are some twists and turns that are <laughs> that are quite bizarre. But um, Jahan, I would say I would say you should give Malignant a oh, watch. I uh, plan on it. it. You had me at hilarious disbelief. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've learned ever. I've learned not to watch what you recommend me anymore, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot well, what the last thing was. Uh, there were there were two in a row. Yeah, there was two uh, in a row. I forget what it they was were. Psycho Gorman <laughs> and, and, and Pig. Pig. Yeah. Pig. If you don't like Psycho Gorman, I can't help you. If I don't like Psycho Gorman, I don't think I'm gonna like the one that Drew is talking about. My right hunky now. boy. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna like malignant. <laughs> Oh, what a what a great, great! Yeah, no, Malignant sounds right on my alley. Uh, Insidious was creepy, man. Uh, and Saw the first Saw movie, I remember when that the first came Saw out. One that is, was is the best. It was so the first good. Saw is still the best. So Insidious uh, is one of the last horror movies I ever saw in theaters, and I thought that it was so fucking stupid. <laughs> and like, I'm not kidding you. Signs scared the shit out of me, and I thought that uh that movie was fucking stupid so i i don't know i don't know why it got this good rap of being such a good scary movie i, I thought it was almost unwatchably fucking bad i've uh, only but... seen the first insidious and i know it has two sequels i think there's three it insidious creeped me out insidious 2 is also very bad but saw saw go hard I really like The Conjuring also. Um, I like The Conjuring 2 less than the first one. And then The Conjuring 3, um, I thought was okay. I, I saw it, but it's it, notably not directed by James Wan. He did the first two, but not the third Conjuring movie. So, obviously likes to work with Patrick Wilson, though. Patrick Wilson's in Insidious, in The Conjuring movies, and in Aquaman. So, there you go. <laughs> Aquaman, what a movie. 
That movie is so bad. No, Aquaman rules. I will I will go to bat for Aquaman. Oh no. Love it. Love it. We found one. The best DC movie. We found it's well, the best DC movie. What? How could I'm, you possibly uh, say that after with the new Suicide Squad, the good Suicide Squad, and also Birds of Prey? Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, of any Christopher Nolan Batman. DC universe, I think Aquaman's the best one. Love it. <laughs> what the fuck? Do I don't know mean, what to like, do with that. What do you, Aquaman what, what, Hold on. Do you mean like of... I feel like of, he's yanking our chain. I I'm think not. he means of the DC universe. So I think he's only oh, the counting DC, like uh, the connected characters. Uh, is that what you mean? I'm not I'm not saying that it's better than like Bat- the Dark Knight okay. and things like that, but I mean of the of the the you know current slate of things we've gotten including the Suicide Squad movies. Oh no, and, it's no. and all the, but I mean I'm talking like you know if Man you put of it in a box on, if you put it in a box with Man of Steel uh, Batman versus Superman, uh, and and uh, the Wonder Woman, Super Friends. No, not Super Friends. Justice. It's League. better. Those. It, it, yeah, Aquaman that's a low rules. bar. <laughs> yeah, but if you include Birds of Prey and you include the Good Suicide Squad, I think both of those are better than Aquaman. Uh, ooh, no, Aquaman. I think so. I think so. Aquaman is at best watchable. No. God no, At no, best. it is not watchable. At best, it, it, it is not watchable. At the Aquaman, high end. Aquaman is an hour and a what, almost two hour long CGI vomit fucking migraine. That movie is a piece of digital shit. I'm, make, I'm making a note to add uh, this to our upcoming award show. Uh, Drew, you've been Are nominated you for worst opinion. <laughs> Are you forgetting that Julie Andrews voiced a giant sea monster? Is that, are you forgetting that that happened in that movie? Because that automatically is like at least a half or full star bump. So, I bet you, I bet you can't guess what sea master is the master. <laughs> Let me just say, Aquaman gets no play in my ride. It is not certified fresh out the box. It's not. It's not anything out of any box. Go back into the fucking box and put it behind the shelf. <laughs> Drew has Drew, removed his headphones. Keep talking for a sec. I'll be right back. Drew ripped his <laughs> headphones right off. He's I think he's going to get some sort he's of gonna... Aquaman-related paraphernalia. No, he's going to get in his car, drive to my house, and shoot me for my opinion of Aquaman. That would be, I, you know, that would make great television. It really would. I just, I turn and the door opens. And I'm like, Drew, no, <laughs> no, no. Oh, uh, bro, I'd watch that movie. You cut the podcast off right before it happened. Oh man, did we shit on Drew too hard? Is that what happened? That's exactly what happened. That's really funny. Uh, hey, uh, two of us agree usually, and then one of us usually dissents. That's how. Oh, <laughs> oh, he's back. he's back. It's he's fucking back. Aquaman. I had, go, I had to go grab my physical 4K copy of Aquaman just to show you guys. That I'm not lying or pulling your leg. That I own this movie. That <laughs> the only reason I'll fight for this movie. I'm holding it up on camera right now, just showing this beautiful image of <laughs> Jason Momoa on the cover of this 4K. The and only... I invite anybody that listens to this show to tweet at me, and you can come and watch this movie with me. We will enjoy it. There you go. Yeah, tweet at Did us you... with hashtag Aquaman was watchable. Uh, and we'll no, see. it wasn't. <laughs> the only reason to own that DVD, Drew, is to torture war criminals. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, 
Man, that was fun. Uh, no, let's continue. Well, speaking of movies that um, may not be for everyone, uh, I also went and saw a, a film called The Card Counter, which is new and in theaters right now. And so, um, are y'all familiar with this movie by any chance? No. No. Okay. So, um, this is directed by Paul Schrader, who is... I think most known for a lot of his collaborations with Martin Scorsese back in the day. I mean, this guy's been around for a while. He wrote Taxi Driver and, um, you know, has, so he's been in the industry and, and has directed a lot. But he or he 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 likes to do a lot of um, very dark, um, more or less depressing kind of character studies on broken people. Um, so in his newest movie is no different. So the card counter is, um, it stars Oscar Isaac, who is an ex ex con who's, you know, spent how many years in, in prison who now goes around, he in prison learned to count cards. And so he just travels from city to city, um, playing in, in casinos and earning enough money to get by. And that's just, that's kind of the basic premise of it. Um, as it gets into the plot, but there's some, some kind of crazy stuff in it. Some stuff that's hard to watch. Um, I, I actually liked this movie a lot, um, but it's definitely not for everyone as with Paul Schrader movies. But if you're an Oscar Isaac fan and you want to see him really acting again, because I think we've all gotten so used to him being in things. It's like, like those big budgets things, Star Wars movie. Yeah and he's actually really talented yeah and i think he's really talented and you don't see that when he's you know apocalypse or poe dameron as much but um i i i you know if in you things know. like ex machina and uh, uh yeah Davis, movies like that where he is able to shine i think he's really great and the card counter is an excellent performance by oscar isaac it also has um willem dafoe and uh tiffany haddish is in it and ty sheridan which ty sheridan i think in our circle most known for he starred in ready player one in the in that movie so uh, he's in this as well but um i I really liked this movie i just wanted to mention it because you know indie it'll probably be lesser seen but in case anybody ever brings it up the card counter uh would be considered fresh out the box but not for everyone uh, yeah, no, I know Gary loves Oscar Isaacs. I I don't. I <laughs> but but I need to. I, I would. I don't. I I would probably watch that okay. actually. Um, Interesting. Because, yeah, I would, I would. I would say there may be some trigger warnings for you, Gary. So I just would be would tread tread lightly around it. Maybe um, I wouldn't watch it. But uh, but he's. He's good in it. Um, he, you know, he's going to be playing one of your, what I believe is one of your favorite. Oh, yeah. Aware. And and to this, I I am not excited. Uh, for uh, those of you who don't know, one of Gary's favorite heroes of all time, Moon Knight. Gary loves Moon Knight. Gary did not love Oscar Isaacs. Now you're caught up. <laughs> and yeah, that was it. That was a good job, John, in as few words as possible. I just don't think that he's going to be a good Moon Knight. I don't think that it's the right cast. I think that they cast him because they have a good relationship with him and he's successful and yada, yada, blah, blah. I just don't think he's the right cast. I, I maybe maybe I'm thrilled. wrong. 
Uh, but I like Oscar Isaacs and Moon Knight, so I'm excited. Disney is good at casting, they so are. maybe maybe I'll shove my foot in my fucking mouth. But that's not who I would have cast. I would have cast somebody younger who, who would you've you never cast. Somebody younger who you've never fucking heard of. Okay, interesting. That's okay. almost the decision I would make every single time I was making a movie, unless I was making like a blockbuster action or comedy. Uh, if I was making something with a new hero or a show or some what I consider obscure heroes, I would always use new talent. Um, and just since we're already here talking about heroes, I would just like more Luke Cage. I just want more. <laughs> yeah. I want more Michael Coulter, Luke Cage in particular. It was cast uh, very well. I, I, I've been watching Evil, just a little bit of Evil. I'm not all caught up or anything. I just watched a few episodes uh, and I'll, I think I'll watch anything with Michael Coulter. I, I think I'm on board. Um, speaking of heroes and and franchises in general, another Oscar Isaac thing. I believe a while back it was announced he's supposed to play Solid Snake in a in a Metal okay. Gear Solid movie. I don't think there's been any development with that at all. That was announced forever ago, and there's there's been nothing else to report who knows if that movie will ever actually happen i'm surprised that they didn't cast uh daryl from the walking dead given how much uh, the creator of metal gear loves him so much good point i'm just saying <laughs> it's really funny. um i'll move on from the card counter and i'll talk about something that gary and i can both comment on here because i know he recently watched it too we actually did not plan this but we both happened to watch I believe the the proper title is Untold, Malice at the Palace. Uh, I think Untold is a, a documentary series that's on Netflix, and Malice at the Palace is the the first entry in that series. I'd so heard let me, I, I was going to yeah. ask you first. Do you, when you heard the words Malice at the Palace, do you know what that is? No, I, I did. Okay. I did not. I have friends that are much bigger basketball fans than i am so this was like a given for them they absolutely knew i was i was not familiar with this event this because it happened in it happened when we were in high school it happened in like 2004 2005 and i'm i've never been big into basketball i'm a big fat boy and so i played football and i played video games and i did theater because i'm loud and big and funny so basketball, I tried when I was in junior high and I was fat and slow and people made fun of me. And then I have bad motor skills and I can't really shoot. So it just it didn't happen for me. Right. Uh, but this documentary, however, as a non-basketball lover, I can say it was pretty fucking good. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that regardless of your fandom of basketball or even sports in general, because I know there are a lot of people in the film community that don't like watching sports, but they like sports documentaries. And this, I think, falls into that category. You can be a non-sports fan and still enjoy this because it's a really, really well-made documentary, um, regardless of if you're a fan of basketball or you're familiar with the events. But basically, uh, I think just the general overview is this is a look back in an event, like Gary said, took place in around 2004 that was a a brawl between the um the the Detroit Pistons and the the Indiana Pacers that kind of I mean kind of between the teams but really escalated more to be between the fans and the players 
and this took place in Detroit, and uh, it definitely kind of set, uh, uh, I think, a precedence for for NBA players' behavior moving forward. Or at least that's the, my takeaway from it. Is there there were a lot of things that came from this that I think they've put things into into effect to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Uh, but it's pretty fascinating to watch what happened in the and the brawls and and kind of how the fallout from everything i think at the center of it all is uh ron artest or you know who's more recently known as meta world peace um he's kind of a key figure in in all of it or kind of inciting everything and so it would i would say after having watched that ron artest of course you said he's changed his name to meta world peace in in the documentary he talks about how changing his name was for a fresh start and that you know he was having mental health issues and he was going to a therapist and to me all of that reads very clearly uh, in the event that transpired on the court uh he was very very good at basketball he he was one of the one of the anchors of the team and he acted like a fucking dickhead and it caused people around him to act like a dickhead and then fans acted like dickheads and he had a dickhead response and, uh, you know, he, in the documentary, he says, you can blame it on me if you want to, but I just want to make sure both sides of the story are told. And the, absolutely, the fans fucked up, but, uh, yeah, his behavior was unacceptable, I thought, and it was addressed. And now, like you said, that that's there's no more player behavior like that for a reason. And the, the most important thing about this documentary that, you know, is the difference, the key difference between it and a lot is that all of the key people involved with this incident are in this documentary so all the the players involved even some of the fans who were involved in this are are in the documentary and are interviewed and not only that but just the the camera angles they use for the different people and different setups it's just the whole thing is very captivating to watch even the modern stuff in, in comparison with the old footage from the event so they even go as far as to show the investigations after the event like how they figured out which fans were who and like they watched them all on the exit cameras and watch what cars they went to and figured out who was in what seat uh and going back over that surveillance <laughs> and they're they're talking to the uh the attorney who had to file all those charges and he's like this took so many hours of man work and like everybody gets away with like a class C fine or a slap on the <laughs> wrist or like, you know, maybe like in, in, am I, you know, you're intoxicated in public at worst, but like, it was just this, it, and it really wasn't much other than a, uh, a scuffle. I'm not even sure I would call it a brawl. I wouldn't call it a riot, but it had the potential to become a riot at any second. And that's what was so dangerous about it is it was, as Jahan puts it, uh, one brick one, away. One brick away, one brick throw away from being a riot. And so the documentary, uh, it has you pretty tense the whole time because at any point, I mean, it is the fuse is lit and it's about to fucking go off. Where is the security? Where are the police? Who the fuck is supposed to be keeping anybody calm down? And the, the players are trying to keep the fans, both teams are trying to keep the fans off of uh, off of the visiting team. I mean, it's it's just wild. It's interesting. Uh, you guys talk about how, how all the manpower it took to like find these people uh, because it was before like cell phones and all that stuff. Because if you saw, you know, when they stormed like the Capitol, they had a live map of where everyone was in the building like in a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's so. I don't know. That's kind of crazy to think about. 
Yeah, now it all it takes is one phone call to track your location. You just got to get approval from the feds. It's like, I won't go into it too much, but remember in one of our early episodes, we talked about that Woodstock 99 documentary. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the most horrifying things about that event is that cell phones just weren't a thing. Like people didn't have phones. If you lost your friend, you, there was like a designated place in the middle of the event where you would just meet with people. Like, I don't know. It's just crazy seeing things like that where just imagine being at, a, at any event with thousands of people and with friends and you get separated and you don't have a way to text them uh, or, you know, I don't know. It's yeah, like in an amusement sometimes. park where you have to go to like the nurse's office, be like, I can't find my mom, you know, like things in the past 20 years that now we just completely take for granted. But, um, I'm going to, uh, pass it over to, um, Jahan, how about you? Cause Gary and I talked about, uh, Malice at the Palace. I've talked about a few things. I've got more, but I'll, I'll kick it to you for a bit. Uh, Yeah. Well, I guess I'll keep it on the shows I watched for now. Um, so, <laughs> Gary already said some stuff about this, uh, which I was not expecting. But it's fine. He can have his opinions. Uh, but I've been watching Why the Last Man. <laughs> on... More like, why am I watching this piece of shit? Oh, it's already started. Uh, why <sighs> the Last Man uh, on F It's FX on Hulu. So go Which ahead. Is, that's, that's a strange thing that they keep saying now that Hulu owns FX. Uh, they're still branding within their own branding. I think I think it's because FX has a good branding and like it has a good. I don't know. FX shows have kind of a feel. They tend to be gritty. Uh, yeah, and have good special more, effects and stuff. They're more adult driven, but I would say the FX shows that I like have been uh, things like The League. And Archer were great FX shows, and Why the Last Man does not fit that uh, that frame no, to me. But the the strain does though, uh, kind of. The strain does. Uh, I'll give you that. You know, uh, and I kind of got some of those vibes. This is also based on a comic book uh, by the same name. It's about everyone with a Y chromosome dying except for uh, one guy, and. Uh, the president becomes Diane Lane, uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to get too much into spoilers. It is a pretty new show. But that's the premise. Uh, they're dealing with the death of every man, uh, and not just in humans, across species. So, like, it is a truly apocalyptic event. Animals can't reproduce, uh, and people can't reproduce. Uh, there's a scene where they're talking about getting the generators back up and generators back up and running at the sperm banks so that like they can try later. Uh, ooh, zoom zoom, uh, and it's just it's pretty interesting. Uh, it hasn't gotten. I don't know where it's gonna go. I don't know what's gonna happen, uh, which I guess is a good thing in a TV show. Uh, there's been there's like this subplot uh, with like this covert organization. Uh, there's a battle for the presidency and the right of succession, that kind of thing. And it, I do, I enjoyed these dystopian, apocalyptic future shows. I do like them. Uh, and this one's cool. It has, uh, obvious, for obvious reasons, a strong female-led cast, and that's pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, obviously they touched on things like uh, transgender people uh, because there are still transgender men and they have to deal with a lot of shit because uh, since there's only women left... People, like, can tell. Uh, they talk about being exposed, that kind of thing. Uh, and it's just a very interesting lens at which to look through 
an apocalypse. I don't know. It's very unique. And I do like it. I, I suggest checking it out. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I so enjoy it. I would I would say that it is the same old fucking idea rehashed a million times. It's another apocalypse. It happened again. It's fucking modern age apocalypse, except this time there's only one guy and there's only one one there's there's no there's no boy anything. There's no ooh. What a fucking twist. Uh, and the main guy is fucking boring to watch. He has no charisma. And immediately the show goes from setting the stage as this cool apocalyptic setting and then flashes back to before the apocalypse and just has him being really fucking boring in his stupid shitty life before the apocalypse. And uh, I let me see the fucking apocalypse show. Let me. I don't want to see this boring guy I mean, doing boring shit. Holy shit, that's man! That's really just the the first episode. That's just uh, getting to and, know the characters. I feel and like if important. your first episode cannot grab attention, then you have done a bad fucking job of setting the the placement. I mean, the episode uh, doesn't the first episode open up with a helicopter almost crushing his monkey friend? Like, yeah. So it opens up with that, and yeah. then immediately becomes terrible. Yeah, but you know he does up close magic. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, I I don't disagree with you about the main ma- the male protagonist. I I don't find him that interesting. Uh, he, he he's just kind of this whiny privileged <laughs> gay yes, man, you know. And you. I I don't disagree with that, but you know he's not the main character, uh, which I feel makes it okay. I feel like it's kind of funny that he's the last guy. He takes effort to watch. Cause he sucks. Because uh, his sister's way better. She's way more interesting. Uh, the the covert operative, uh, she is awesome. Diane Lane does a great job. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I do enjoy it. Drew has not seen it. So Drew does not know. I'm not, I, I will say this. I've read um, like at least the first graphic novel or so uh, of the comics. I've read a fair amount. So I'm familiar with the... the um, I guess the plot and you know the the premise, um, and despite having not seen the show, I'm very familiar with the production of this in general because the Why the Last Man production has been in and out of development hell for years. They've been literally trying to make this, whether a movie or a series, for pretty much over a decade. I want to say forever ago. Um, even Shia LaBeouf was in the conversations to to potentially play Yorick, and then that fell through. And then I know even most recent, um, the the main part was supposed to be played by probably going to say his last name wrong, but I believe it's Barry Keegan, Keoghan, uh however you pronounce his his name. Uh, I I promise I'll find out at some point. But he he's actually in the upcoming Eternals movie. Um, he's been in a few things you might recognize him, but he was supposed to play yorick and i think pulled out so then they got the actor that's currently in it but this is just a a show that has had they've been trying to make for a long time and and struggled and struggled and now it's finally here and according to gary it's it's underwhelming i've seen some mixed reviews on it as well so i was interested to hear y'all talk about it because i like the comics actually a lot it's it it's a good comic book series but um maybe that just hasn't translated. I do like it, and yeah. I am looking forward to the f- future episodes. I've seen the first three. Uh, I say, keep it up. in the box. Keep it right in there. Shove <sighs> that in the box. I don't recommend it to anybody. Nice to check it out. 
and then, so something else I've been watching on Netflix. Uh, clickbait. Have you guys seen Clickbait? You heard about but Clickbait? But I actually, it's funny you say this. My wife was watching this, I think, either last night or the night before recently. She she said she'd been watching some new show on Netflix. I said, what is it? She said, Clickbait. And I have no idea what it is other than the fact that she has watched it too. So tell me about Clickbait. Yeah, Clickbait. So Clickbait is, it hooked, that hooks you. You, it's, it's a straight up, like it pulls you in, uh, anytime you think, you know, what's going on, you're wrong. Uh, they just, they keep on getting you. They keep on pulling you deeper. There was one point when I was like, oh, they showed, you know, what happened. This is the reveal. Now what, you know? And then they're like, psych. And they get you good. Um, but it is about a missing man. A man goes missing, uh, and shows up on the internet. This girl sees her brother on the internet holding a card that says, I abuse women, uh, and then his next card says, at 5 million views, I die, uh, later he shows one, uh, I am a killer of women, uh, and then eventually, you know, so they're trying to find him, and it's this tense, uh, it's a very tense crime drama, uh, I would like to do the shout out, uh, that for the Iranian lead, there's an Iranian, uh, police detective, huge for me, I'm always happy to see Iranians on screen, uh, and yeah, my dad walked in while we were watching, saw the guy, was like, hey, that guy's Iranian. I was like, You're, I told you, Jenny, we could see our own, you know, we could tell. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was cool. And it's just, it's a great show, great cast, uh, diverse cast. Um, and it's just, it draws you in, the acting's great, the writing's very great. Uh, and it's just definitely bingeable. Like, you don't want to stop watching, I don't want to stop watching. I think I'm on episode six, uh, and we had to put it down. Can't How many wait. total are there? I, I don't probably know. About Pro- probably about ten. Uh, and but I gotta wait for Jen <laughs> to keep watching, unfortunately, because uh, I just I need it. I need it in my life. It is addicting. Uh, like I was, are, I was on the edge of my seat. Is every episode connected, or are they different short stories? Every episode is. It's a it's a contiguous story. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. There's one one narrative story fantastic if you haven't seen it i actually heard about this on tiktok for the first time there's like someone that dedicated their account to trying to get people to watch clickbait they're like look i have a regular tiktok but i need you to watch this i was like you know what okay uh we put it on and no regrets it is eight episodes it just eight episodes damn i'm almost done no (laughs) two more uh so i'll probably have that finished uh sometime this weekend and yeah, no, definitely, definitely watch. I absolutely, one hundred percent, I certify this fresh. Fresh out the box. Fresh out the box. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's right. We have to say it like that, otherwise we can get in trouble. Fresh, fresh out the box, y'all. We've had lawyers just calling us. They're telling us you can't say certified fresh. So you know, all these things. It does. It it does appear that certified fresh is trademarked, and it is not trademarked by us. However, if something happens to be certified fresh out the box, well, that's completely different. Uh, that's what we've been informed, anyways. Exactly. So our fresh, our our takes are either fresh out the box. Or they're not fresh out the box. Simple enough. Simple enough. Open the uh, box. What do you got? Fresh out the box. Uh, yeah. So uh, I've been watching What If. I know you guys have fallen behind on this. Yeah, I actually forgot to watch it. I I have forgotten that things come out on Disney Plus weekly, to, to yeah. be honest. I, I feel bad about it now. 
no reason to feel bad. Uh, what if is great. Uh, I the first two episodes were fine. Uh, they like I liked them. They were cool. Uh, I thought it was cool. The how, only ones I've seen. Yeah, I thought it was cool how Peggy Carter like went into instead of being frozen in an iceberg, which is fucking boring. She went to like a demon dimension, which is way cooler. Uh, you know, and then obviously the stuff with T'Challa and how he's just a better Star Lord was great. Uh, the most recent episodes I saw uh, that I have not talked about yet are the Marvel What If Zombies episode. Uh, if you've ever read the Marvel Zombie comics, Hot Fire, uh, I do recommend you read those. Uh, and then the show was some of the just the most awesome television I've ever seen. It was, I mean, it's all the superheroes you love. Uh, you got Spider-Man uh, and zombies. And then, if you don't know about Marvel Zombies, in Marvel Zombies, when the the heroes you love become infected, they maintain some of who they were and some of their powers. Uh, or uh, did they go did did they go deep in the character pool for the zombies, or did they just kind of keep it at like the the top eight or whatever? Uh, they they more or less kept it with the like MCU. Uh, best hits kind of thing. Okay. Uh, they had they have some cool ones, some cool. Ones. I don't know, like because some of them are like, wow, look at that. Uh, One but- of my favorite things about the the Marvel zombie series was the the characters you've almost forgotten about, yeah. and then you see them as a zombie, and you're like, oh shit, that is a dangerous zombie that yes. we've forgotten about. Yes, uh, no, yeah. some of the some some of the zombies, I was like, oh no, <laughs> like it was it was not a good uh, combo for vampirism or uh, zombieism. I could probably uh, watch a Marvel Zombies uh, a whole season. So they, I could probably watch there is maybe. a rumored movie now, but I think it's just a rumor. That that would be too good of news for me. A huge Marvel fan that loves zombies, man, I would lose my I would lose my shit. Gross. Uh, I would lose it. I wouldn't be able to find where I put my shit. Yeah, I wouldn't be able yeah, to find. That's it. not. That's not good. Yeah. I know. I know it's come up on this show before that Jahan, that you're a pretty big zombie head. I love and, zombies. Uh, and I know that when this episode came out, I saw that you you even felt so inclined to tweet about it yes. and just how awesome it was and how much you love zombies. So I'm. I'll, let me just say, I'm just happy for you. I'm happy that you, that you got this content. I'm happy that it. Did it scratch that zombie itch yes. for you? Every now and again, I feel like they made something just for me. Uh, I felt that way about Midnight Suns, uh, the video game. I feel that way about the Marvel episode of what if, uh, the zombie episode. Uh, and then also, the episode afterwards, uh, Killmonger, uh, alternate history with Tony Stark and Killmonger. Uh, don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, it was good. I did like it. Uh, we got to take a different look at Killmonger uh, and what could have been different tactics. Uh, and a much different look at Tony Stark, uh, which kind of, uh, it kind of reinforces some of, I cause a lot of people love Tony. I love Tony. Uh, but in the beginning he was a piece of shit when he first, like in the first movie, what an asshole, you know what I mean? And even into the second movie, uh, man, what an asshole. But, and into the third movie, they had those rewrites because they were supposed to lay heavy into that alcoholism. They were supposed line. to lay into the alcoholism because but that's yeah, what happens. Let's, let's not forget that Tony Stark is an alcoholic asshole. He is very yeah. smart, and he does not let you forget that he is very smart. He's yeah, condescending. They, they, in the MCU, they changed him, but, and that's fine. But we kind of get a look at classic Tony in this episode. Uh, and, you know, I'm grateful for that. Uh, lest we forget, but, uh, yeah, so Marvel, what if still coming out with the bangers, I'm still loving it. Um, and 
Also, it is rumored that people love What If so much, they're talking about What If Star Wars. A What If Star Wars series. You know, what if Luke and Leia had never been separated? I don't know. Stuff like that. I had seen that rumor, too, and it it does seem kind of like a given. Like, if what if the Marvel series is is successful, it does kind of seem like... Now, granted, I know that what if on the Marvel side has a history, because there have been comic series. It's something that's been around in Marvel for a while, unlike Star Wars. But still, it just seems like it it could be shoehorned in there really easily. I'd like to see who they put in charge of that project because it could be a lot of fun if they put Dave Filoni over that. Um, and there is so much Mar- or so much Star Wars content that exists in the books that now is no longer official content. Yes, it is. They could look right. to a lot of that for inspiration. Yeah, yeah I, I, absolutely. I think there's really something there for them uh, to play with. And, and Drew, you're right. It's a given. Why wouldn't they, right? I mean... Why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> That's an excellent point. That is an excellent point. The The extended Star Wars universe is ripe for what if. Like, because mm. of all the non-canon, sub-canon, and half-canon uh, that people what are always the- nerd out about. And it's like, you know, Marvel's... It's like Drew said, Marvel has that backlog of what if stuff they can pull inspiration from. But Star Wars has that backlog of non-canon books now that they can pull some inspiration from. So... They've, they've got a little some tools at their disposal, and it should be a lot of fun for those writers to, to be able to play around in that Star Wars sandbox a little bit. Uh, apps, no, yeah, I what if has been uh, it's been a bit of a mixed bag for me, but I, I love it as a whole. Uh, I'm excited to see what else happens. Um, and if, uh, do you guys have any other shows you want to talk about? Because I, I oh, want yeah. to do something else. Uh, yeah, man. This. I've got I've got TV shows. Oh, yeah, um, go, pop, go pop some on, man. So first, let's talk about some season finales. I have watched the Brooklyn Nine-Nine season finale. Aw, series finale. Uh, series finale, that's right. It's over. Um, and the last episode was a, it was another heist. You know, they, they do a heist every season almost. Oh, they ended with the heist. I haven't seen they, it yet. They ended with the heist episode. It's great. And, uh, I, you know, I, this is what we saw coming all season. I talked about how they were having work life balance issues between Jake and Amy and that Holt was going to retire. And so uh, it, it looked like Sarge was going to move up to captain. And that's exactly, you know, they, they set the pieces all season long. And they move forward with it, and it, it wraps up perfectly. It's it's a nice ending to a beautiful show. And then after the ending, they do, like, one more outro joke uh, as if they all come back to the precinct every year to do another heist, even though they don't work there. And so it leads you to believe that they all stay being friends and they keep doing dumb shit together, even though they no longer work at the department. Yeah. Uh, so great ending, great series. I think that was nine seasons or something. And uh, I have nothing but good things to say about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, one of the great TV comedies, for sure. I agree. Uh, uh, I look forward. Yeah, I need to finish it. Uh, but so far, this season's been amazing. Uh, and I, I've loved this show every step of the way. So it's uh, it, it, there, there are a few cameos in the last episode as well, just because it's their big, you know, hoorah. So it's, it's good to see. Uh, it's good to see the cameos, too. And the show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's always had cameos all throughout every season. There, there are a lot of comedians who, I guess, are friends with Andy Samberg and come by and do bits. Uh, Craig Robinson, I think, is in either every season or every other season. 
And if either of you would like to come play TTRPGs on our channel, let us know. Andy Samberg, Craig Robinson, or really anyone <laughs> on the cast of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, open invitation to come play games yeah. for Fresh Out the Box. The other season finale, Jahan, I believe I, I sent you a picture before we started today. Um, and Drew, you might want to you might want to do you know, the ears up, perk up for this one. Uh, the Lego Masters season <laughs> finale. Is Drew dead? Uh, he he might have had a little disconnect. Yeah, it looks like yeah, just because on my screen his eyes are closed and he looks dead. Uh, I'm still here. Okay. Okay, there he is. There he is. That was funny. You you your camera froze at the perfect moment. Sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, Lego Masters. Lego Masters season finale, and uh, I actually after the season finale, which was very good, and the team who I thought was going to win did win. Uh, I don't know if you guys care if I spoil it, but it's the Castle Bros. And that may not mean much to you, but for Lego fans out there, or AFOLs, which is adult fans of Legos, uh, <laughs> the Castle Bros have been in the Lego game since they were like 14 or 15, and they used to win Lego convention castle building competitions. And so they were contestants on this year's Lego Masters. And they won, and they were awesome. And, of course, all top three teams are always awesome, so it could really go any way at the last point. But afterwards, Annie and I saw that Walmart had a sale on a big old 1,400-piece Lego set. And so we got Lego, Drew. We went and got some Lego. We I have, love this. I love been, this so much. Yep, we've been building. Uh, we so we put Lego Masters on in the background, and we just build stuff, and uh, you know, sit around and chat. And it, it is there's something therapeutic about it. I fucking swear to God, it really does take your mind off of everything else, and you're just kind of well, talking to the person and building something. That's and nothing box. else really works. It is a it is a pretty. It's pretty box with some pretty dogs there, Gary. Oh, thank you. Thank I, went, you. I went ahead and plopped it on the screen for the audience at home. A little cookie and banana action. Uh, how many pieces is that? Uh, I, I believe it's a, I think it's a 14 or 15. It's a 1500 piece. <laughs> and it was half price. And so usually I think those are 80 bucks and it was $40. And so we felt like that was a good, you know, get a bunch of pieces, all sorts of different pieces at a good entry price so we can build and have some fun. But now I'm already like, I need to get some minifigs, bro, because I didn't get any minifigs. And how can you tell a story without minifigs? So uh, the slippery slope has begun. I actually, uh, the... I actually follow a few. Uh, I think Epic Brick Time on TikTok uh, has a store where you can buy whatever minifigs you want specifically uh, at reasonable prices. I kind of just want like a, a big fucking bag of minifigs, just like a random bag. I just want to get people's random Lego off eBay and then clean them. They do. Just... So you can buy, uh, grab like random boxes of Legos. That's a thing people do, and they that's, resell them. Yeah, that's exactly what I what I want. Um, so that was it. So we watched Lego Masters. The other show we're watching on Hulu right now is Only Murders in the Building, and I think I mentioned. I've heard this. good things about this show, and so I, I probably I... said that last time if it was mentioned then. I think I mentioned it last time, and we were like, oh, what the hell is Only Murder? Like, we didn't know. it was. We were like, Only Murder something? I don't know. I've watched it. I'm all caught up. I've watched every episode. 
And last week, I would have told you I'm not sure if I'm ready to tell you if it's fresh out the box or not. And I think at this point (laughs) this week, I'm ready to tell you that it is fresh out the box. And I am like looking forward to it's an episode. It's weekly episodical. And so, like, I'm annoyed when it ends. I'm looking is, forward to the next am episode. I, am I looking at Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez right now? Yes, you are. Is that, is that what I'm looking at? <laughs> so, I'm not a huge fan of Martin Short's comedic stylings. I never have been. But in this show, he is very funny. Uh, he's still Martin Short. You know, he still has some really uh, abrupt, stupid humor uh, that's almost like look at me center of attention type shit. Yeah. Uh, but Steve Martin actually plays a straight man. He's almost not funny. He's just very. He he's a writer, and he was like an ex. Uh, he's like an ex crimes TV show host, and so he thinks he is uh, hot shit, but not really. He's kind of a forgotten lonely old man. I, and I love Selena. Steve. Selena Gomez is great. She she also lives in the building. And that's the thing is they all live in the building. There is a murder in the building. And so they decide to make a podcast called Only Murders in the Building. And they are trying to investigate the murder in the building. So they're talking to the people who live there. They're looking at the cameras. They're, uh, it, and there's something kind of, there's a it's a mystery, comedy, and it's based... Uh, it's really podcasty, right? They're making a podcast. And so the show is like watching a murder mystery podcast. It's not really like watching a TV show. It's kind of feels like you're doing something in between. Uh, and so I think that's what draws me to the show is it's almost two styles blended into one. Um, and it's there. They're all the executive producers and they're the cast. So I'm, they have creative control of their show. And it goes the way they want it to, and it's a good show. I, 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 I can say, watch it. I like it. I've actually seen this on Hulu, and I've been tempted to click, and I think I will now. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, you've definitely sold me on at least a watch. Uh, and it sounds like the people involved might like podcasts. So if you want to be on a podcast, go ahead and hit us up. I'll, I'll definitely check this out. I think my wife actually watched the first episode or two without me but and she said that she thought i would like it as well so just haven't found the time but i'll i'll get to that um jahan before you talk about oh i'm sorry drew go ahead oh no no go ahead i was gonna say jahan before you talk about your crowdfunding i just wanted to i wanted to talk shit about something real quick i just gotta i gotta squeeze it in here shoehorn it in if you will yeah shoehorn it in shoehorn it away we went by starbucks today Uh oh no and I got myself a mocha frappuccino. It was fucking delicious, uh-huh, perfect. Uh-huh. And we see we see on the menu that they have a seasonal item called the Starbucks Apple Crisp Macchiato. Yes, sir. It is foul. It is one of the <laughs> worst things I have ever had in my entire life. If you close your eyes and you sip it, it's not so bad. But at the bottom... I guess, you know, it's supposed to be a crisp, right? But they don't have, like, chunks of crispy tastiness in the bottom. It's, like, grainy bread fucking cinnamon in the bottom of the drink. And it is just that the textures are wrong. The apple coffee flavor is weird at best. See, I like... I I didn't have... It mostly tastes a little milky. I didn't have the, like, the proper drink. I just had it with the apple flavor, and I liked it. I just had yeah, coffee the, and apple flavor. It was it was so good. The proper drink, I 
cannot recommend. If you're driving, it is not fresh out the box. Uh, if you're driving through a Starbucks and you say, I wonder how that apple crisp macchiato is. Don't get that. Get anything else. Uh, <laughs> Starbucks is expensive. So if you're going to spend money on a drink, get a drink that you're going to like. That drink is not fucking good. Uh, go ahead, Jahan. You can you can do what you need to do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is going to be a little segment I'm calling the crowdfunding corral, where I crowdfund corral some crowdfunding for you to look at. Uh, so there's a lot going on. So sometimes there's lulls uh, in Kickstarter and stuff that's going to be funded. Uh, but not today. Uh, not this week. There's quite a bit of stuff. I actually had to cut my list. Sorry if you didn't make the list. Uh, first and foremost, I'd like to do a shout out to friend of the show, Tony Vicinda, plus one EXP, uh, for Down We Go on Game Found Now. Uh, it's a fun, minimalistic uh quick-to-play, quick-to-make-characters TTRPG system. Uh, you can get it now on GameFound. Uh, it's the second TTRPG to ever be hosted on GameFound, I believe. Uh, on Kickstarter, a game that is, uh, I believe, built as a yeah solitaire horror board game. So it's a single-player board game, uh, which have become more and more popular during the pandemic. Uh, so you can play it by yourself. It's called Final Girl. Uh, and if you don't know, that's a reference to slasher films. Uh, the final girl is always the heroine. That's the one, the object of murder desire for the uh, killer. Uh, this game looks very fun. Already fully funded uh, at half a million dollars out of the $50,000 goal. Uh, here's some pictures of it. It looks very good. The artwork looks cool. It uh, looks fun. I haven't played too many solitary board games. Uh, and I am interested. Uh, sorry, what? I thought someone said something. Um, no, but actually, uh, speaking of half a million dollar Kickstarters, I didn't realize that that game had gotten so much, but it made me want to bring up uh, Herbalist Primer. Uh, that's friend of the yes. show. Oh, and her Twitter is uh, 2X Proficiency. And so her book is about magic items and magic plants and magic flowers, and it's the real world plants, and then how they would have been used magically. And then what they actually do is being fact-checked by a botanist, so she can put the real medical uses and the magic uses all in the book. Everything is hand-drawn, and her, uh, she was asking for, I think, $10,000 to get her book made, shipped, printed across the world. And she has now hit... $609,000. $609,000. So huge congratulations to her. And if you guys are into plants and uh, herbal herbology... Uh, things like that. Pick up that book. It's it's, on yeah, it's for now. implementing plant magic in your games, which is very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, and yeah, that, that was one that I forgot about uh, to shout out to. Also, check out Heirs and Heresy on uh, Osprey Games. Uh, you can pre-order it now. Friend of the show, Alan Barr is a creator. Uh, it's not a crowdfunding thing. It's just something I wanted to do a shout out for. Heirs to Heresy. We played recently. Yesterday. That was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Masters of the Universe. We've talked about this on the show before. Uh, but Simon, the big time game creator, uh, has released Masters of the Universe, the board game. What was that company called? Simon, uh, C M O N. Uh, I always called them Common, but now I hear people calling them Simon. Why wouldn't you call them Simon? <laughs> uh, just don't call me late for dinner, right? Uh, yeah, two hundred thousand dollar goal, over a million dollars funded. On this Damn. Yes. 
Uh, Clash for Eternia, Master of the Universe board game. Uh, here's some pictures. It looks good. Look at all these minis you get. Uh, it includes He-Man uh, and Skeletor, both mounted on War Beasts, uh, and just it looks really good. Lots of minis. These big mini games are very popular, uh, and they usually do well on crowdfunding. Uh, and then friend of the show and apparent recent recipient of an any award, uh, uh, Son of Oak Studios, Amit Moshe, uh, doing the uh, Sentai suit uh, queer RPG called Queers with a Z. Uh, check it out. Uh, it has also already reached its crowdfunding goal. Uh, $20,000 was the goal. Fifty four is where they're sitting. Uh, and they have lots of cool physical options for this um, for this release. They also have a pretty fire uh, theme song, anime theme song, I believe, called Rainbow Empathy uh, that they commissioned for this game. Uh, but yeah, check that out. Help our friend out, uh, Amit Moshe, uh, and support indie developers. Uh, and then I got two more board games for you. Dungeons of Infinity, Kingdom Cost. Uh, that game looks really cool. It's already fully funded on Kickstarter. Uh, it's another one of those big old fantasy big boxes that looks so fun to play. Uh, you have character cards and cubes that you move around to show your stats. Uh, looks very, very fun. Uh, and then a game that's not out yet, but you can uh, sign up for early access. Uh, and if you do so, you and you then back for a physical tier on Kickstarter, you get a Kickstarter exclusive event card pack uh, called Mythwind. Uh, and it looks like a cutesy, so Mythwind is an open-ended, asymmetrical, and cooperative board game where you live the life of a pioneer in a whimsical fantasy world. Uh, and it looks beautiful. Asymmetrical, uh, whimsy, yeah. cooperative. Yeah. yeah, I'm in. You got me. Yeah, no, I knew, I see, this sounds just like something Gary would love to play. Uh, and yeah, so those are the, there are so many more, uh, a lot of indie devs, a lot of smaller uh, companies, and even some big companies. They do crowdfunding on Kickstarter and GameFound uh, and other uh, platforms. Check them out. Help them out. Help get these board games made. Uh, so many new board games get to see the light of day because of things like this. Uh, and I love it. I love every minute of it. I wish I had. I could give them all my money. Uh, but yeah, that's my crowdfunding corral for this uh, week. Perfect. Um, I will mention one other show just real quick that I had forgot to mention earlier. Just want to note series on Amazon Prime video that's called Lula Rich. And if y'all are, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Lula Row at all. Um, my wife actually used to sell Lula Row clothing items um, a few years ago. No, I'm not. I don't. Four or five years ago, and uh, basically, it was this this. It's like it's it's a you know your typical kind of pyramid scheme um, where <laughs> the women sell clothes. They they buy the clothes at cost, and then they sell it to their friends or online or whatever for, for a marked up price. And then they go back and have to keep buying new inventory, and and you know it has like a massive buy-in price to even become a seller. And the, then the people that are higher up, you know, have 
people under them selling and then people under those people and there's all these levels and it's this whole company blew up um like in popularity back 2016 2017 just um, you know my wife loved the clothing and then she wanted to sell and she started selling it and it wasn't very long before she realized like what did i get myself into this is this is awful and she and she got out real quick um and other people were not necessarily as as lucky or didn't have it as easy and so there's a a documentary series on prime video that kind of dives into the, the, the rise and fall of this company. They're still around. LuLaRoe still exists. They, they're still vendors, sellers and everything. They find ways around the lawsuits and stuff that have been thrown their way. But this was a, my wife and I watched this together because she was of course really interested to watch um, this after her experience with them. And uh, yeah, it's, if you, um, or your, you know, a significant other, or somebody has had an experience with LuLaRoe. This is this is worth the watch. It, it was pretty fascinating. I would like to watch that, but I'm not going to pay for Amazon again until Lord of the Rings comes out. I don't think we'll see if I have a if I need to watch Invincible again between now and then. <laughs> and we'll talk more about that too. In general, the streaming services on our next episode as a as a little tease. So. You're such a there's, little tease, Drew. Well then, well thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you are tuning into the weekly version on Spotify or Apple Music or Podbean, then look forward to our next episode uh, next Sunday. And if you are on the Twitch version, if you're doing the behind the scenes, watching us live, uh, then stay tuned for about seven, maybe ten minutes or so. We're gonna get reset for part two of Fresh Out the Podcast. Uh, yeah, I've been Jahanan. I'm at RockFact on Twitter. Uh, I'm Casualty CDG. Uh, I'm Casualty CDG on Twitter. Drew Munhausen at Drew Munhausen on Twitter at Drew's Blues on TikTok. If you want to see my um, video, you know, Blu-ray and physical media collection there. And, uh, the, and then, of course, follow the, the Fresh Off the Box podcast uh excuse me twitter account and twitch channel and youtube and every everything give all the all the subscriptions yes please uh (laughs) thank you so much for watching uh we'll see you soon